Good morning, everyone. See some smiling faces out there. See some tired faces as well. If you're tired, don't worry. You can just hang on with me for five more minutes, and then you can have a 35-minute nap during my dad's sermon. Feel free. Uh, Got to throw shots at you, man. So uh, my dad asked me to come up again, similar to last week, just to kind of recap where we've been in Acts and uh, set the stage for where we're headed. So if you could turn with me to Acts 13, I love that uh, intro video because it reminds us of that key verse in Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses to uh, Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and all throughout the nations. That's what we're seeing uh, the Lord use his people do uh, to do in the book of Acts. And so where we're at in Acts 13, we're walking through Paul's first missionary journey. Remember, the church in Antioch had, um, had been told by the Lord, I want you to set aside Paul and Barnabas, and I want you to uh, send them out for the work that I've called them to do. And so they do that. Paul and Barnabas go to uh, the island of Cyprus, and they teach from east to west along that island in the synagogues, and then they move back up into the mainland, and they end up uh, in verse 14, they arrive in Pisidian Antioch, a different Antioch than um, the, the city that sent them. So when they're there, they, uh, they're in the synagogue, and typically there was a, a reading from the law and then a reading from the prophets. And then they offered for Paul and Barnabas to get up and speak. The, the leader there said, hey, do you guys have anything you want to say? And Paul jumps at the opportunity and begins to walk them through a story that most of them would have been familiar with, right? He takes them, mostly Jewish audience, through their history, starting from when the Lord brought them out of Egypt and brought them to the promised land, gave them that land as their inheritance. And he walks through how, uh, at that time, he gave them judges. Uh, They were representatives of the Lord uh, that, that, would, that would judge the nation. They would lead the nation. And they rejected those judges, remember? And, and they said, no, we want a king. So God says, okay, we'll give you a king. And he gives them Saul, and that didn't work out too well. And then it says that God raised up David, and he calls him a man after his own heart. And he makes a promise to David and to the nation that the Redeemer that he had promised all the way back in Genesis 3 was going to come through this man's line. So Paul lays that story out, and then he says, guys, this redeemer that came from the line of David was Jesus, and he was here, and he came, he was the Messiah. And so he transitions from that uh, kind of distant past to recent past and begins to tell them about, remember, John the Baptist came, and he was a forerunner. He proclaimed the way of the Lord before the Lord came. And so then in verse... uh, Let me find my place here. Uh, Verse 27. But those who lived in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him, that is Jesus, nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they fulfilled these by condemning him. So they condemned Jesus, and even though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed, and that's exactly what happened. But Paul makes the point that that was prophesied. They didn't recognize that that was exactly what was supposed to happen. The Lord carried out his plan in spite of opposition. And then it says in verse 30, but God raised him from the dead. A a triumphant 
uh, uh, victory over sin and death. And then Jesus appeared to other people. So Paul's walking them through this story, and then he says, uh, he says, and we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise now to our children, and that he raised up Jesus. And he begins to walk through a couple different psalms to say, look, look, this was, this was, this was prophesied and pictured. Um, he says, uh, in one psalm, it's spoken this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David, referring to the Messiah. In another psalm, it says, you will not allow your holy one to undergo decay because he was raised from the grave. And so therefore, Paul says, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things which you could not be freed from through the law of Moses, which they had just read in. So he lays out this story for them and, teach, and, and shares the good news and then he leaves them with a warning, which is where we ended off last time. That, therefore, take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, and marvel and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. And he left, we left off with that, and we'll keep moving forward in that journey. Uh, Sue and I, thank you. You can leave before I get in trouble here. Um, that Sue and I were not quite capable of raising our children as well as we could have. Thankfully, our daughter Ashley is going to take care of some of that now. So anyways, thank you, Ben, for telling us uh, about what we were talking about. Hopefully our minds are getting in gear with um, this chapter 13, and Lord willing, we're going to finish it today. Um, one of the things that he mentioned to you was that God was working his plan and we're going to see that even played out even more today. That's going to become important for us as we uh, study the scripture. So if you're with us already in Acts chapter 13, let me put it up on the screen here for you. And uh, we'll just pick it up after he had given that warning that the sermon ends. Remember, Paul, this is the first recorded sermon for us. So there's some pretty specific things that Paul's been trying to say to these people. And it tells us in verse 42 that when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, <clears throat> there's some difference of people groups here that are happening. We're going to see it in the next verse. He's going to talk about Jews and proselytes. And here's talking about Gentiles and Jews. And so there, there's just a variety of people that are all part of this scenario. And uh, the picture that you should have in your mind is as they're leaving, these Gentiles are saying, hey, we want to hear this again. Would you tell us these things again? Now, that is a wonderful um, statement to anybody who's preaching. Every preacher out there loves for somebody to say, hey, keep going, right? How many of you, no, maybe we should avoid, avoid eye contact here. How many of you <laughs> have ever been uh, listening to someone teach and are on the edge of your seat going, oh, please don't stop. Let's keep going. Like just another hour kind of a thing, right? We're struggling just to get all this, all this wedged into 35 or 45 or however many minutes I get. It's difficult. There's times when I've actually gone home when my wife hasn't been able to go to church with me and I've gone home and she said, so what did uh, they talk about? Not here in this church, by the way. And uh, that's my disclaimer. And I'll say, hmm, what did they talk about? I can't even remember. 20 minutes later, can you remember? Something was happening here 
for these Gentiles to be on the edge of their seat saying, hey, would you tell us more about this? Now let's remember what just happened. Paul has just told them that this gospel, all of this story that I've laid out to you, this has now been sent to you. You're now hearing this message, right? So right away he gets their attention, and then he tells them, listen, this one that I've woven this story through, this is the Christ. This Jesus, he's the Christ. And he was raised from the dead. So they've heard this. What? You're telling us someone was raised from the dead? That's crazy kind of thinking, right? This can't be true. Some of them are, I don't believe that. I just, come on, we're way too scientific. We know how things work around here. We know exactly, right? Others are going, this blows my mind. I can't. Who would have ever heard of someone being raised from the dead? And then he's telling them, it's for you Gentiles. What? This is crazy stuff. So no wonder they're in the position of, we want to hear more about this. And so it says, going on to verse 43, Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So again, what we have is the, these, these Gentiles who are not part of the Jews, and they're not part of the proselytes. Remember, the proselytes are people who are uh, Gentiles, and they are worshiping in the Judaic religion. Right? That's what we're talking about. People who are following after, but they're not nationally, they're not Jews here. Right? And that's who he's talking about. These ones have been listening to him and hearing him, and they come along and say, hey, we're, we're following after you. So Paul and Barnabas, what do they do? They say, hey, keep going, guys, in this. What we're laying out here to you, what we're telling you in regards to salvation, keep moving along. That's what he's talking about with this continuing. I know it's there, just so you know. I can see some. <laughs> if I trip off, it's okay. All right? We'll be all right. Continue in the grace of God. He's imploring them. That's going to come up. Keep paying attention to this. That's going to come up here in a little bit. All right? So it tells us then on verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. So again, in your minds, we, we've just, Sabbath is Saturday to Saturday. So on this Sabbath, we're in the synagogue, we're talking about it, and now all week long, they've been waiting. Can you believe it? Were you there on that? Well, I didn't make it that time. Well, what in the world did you talk about? Well, he actually said that there was this Jesus, and he was raised from the dead. Can you believe that? And the, according to being raised from the dead, that means that God was satisfied with his sacrifice. We can trust in that are you kidding me that is unbelievable yeah you should have been there and next thing you know almost the whole city <laughs> i love that phrase almost the whole city so there were some people who were like eh, eh. <laughs> whatever right there's always some whatever but they're all coming together and it says in verse 45, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Now the wording, the terminology here of envy and blaspheme and those kinds of things, they help us to realize that probably what was happening is these particular Jews were envious. They wanted what was happening. They, they, hey, here's this crowd. Boy, do I want that. Well, if I can't have it, you can't have it. So we're going to undermine. We're going to undercut you. We're going we're gonna to say, no, 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 no. This, what? Oh, he's not talking truth, right? That's not right. And so they undermine. You know what happens right here? What you're seeing? The fulfillment of verse 41. The warning that Ben ended with. Do you remember? Remember what they were called? You despisers. He says, now guys, beware. Because the prophets of old have told us... <clears throat> That there's going to be some who, even though it's spoken right to them, he has just 
told them that the word of salvation has been sent to them. He's just said it, and he's spoken all of that. We've just gone through that last week, and they're going, nah, nah, I don't think so. That's not true. Despisers. The warning is that you perish as a result of that. Keep that in mind. We're going to come to this. Right? But we're seeing this happening right before our eyes as we read this. Moving on to the next verse, then verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. This is a pivotal moment, just so you know. And we know, as we've been studying through this, that the gospel has gone to the Gentiles already. So it's not pivotal in the sense of that first time. But it's pivotal in the sense that when he says, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, he is going to now follow a pattern that you will see throughout the entirety of the rest of the book. As he goes from city to city, he will start with the Jews, he will speak in the synagogues, and then he will turn to the Gentiles, is what he will do. There's a crisis that's happened right here, and God is telling us, remember, it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's for you and I as Gentiles. He says in this, Paul says to them, it's necessary that this would be spoken to you, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of salvation, do you know that there is no one who's worthy of of salvation, but there's also no one who's unworthy of salvation. I know that sounds weird, doesn't it? The reason I can say both of those is because your salvation doesn't uh, depend upon what you do. Your salvation depends upon what he did, and that's why Paul so clearly walked them through line after line, helping them to follow along, helping them to see this plan that God had been orchestrating just to put the dumb moment out there for you, just so it comes to consciousness. If there's prophecy, and then a thousand or several thousand years later that comes to, to fruition, doesn't that tell you that there's a plan? We're speaking here of something that's going to happen there. I have a plan in mind. And so every time that you read a prophecy, that tells you God's thinking something. I'm just here to tell you it goes further back than that. I don't get off the stage if I get in, like to try to illustrate. It goes back into eternity past. Before anything was ever created, God had a plan. And God's desire was that the gospel would go to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews. We're going to see that in just a minute. But he says, you guys, you reject it and you judge yourselves unworthy. In other words, the, the way you're thinking, it culminates in you saying, no, 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 that's not for me. But it's not true. I remember witnessing to a guy one time and um, he had that dejected look to him. And eventually, as I was telling this to him, he said, well, Tim... If you knew who I was, you would realize that that's not for me. I can't get saved. (laughs) He's just like these people right here. He judged himself to be unworthy. He decided for himself. And you know what? No matter how much I tried to intellectually twist his arm to get him to see that, to my knowledge, he walked away from me having rejected it, saying, nope, I'm too far gone. Missed it. Right? Didn't understand. Tragic? 
But that's his choice. I carried that for too long probably, thinking that somehow that was my choice. It's not. Every one of us has that opportunity. And here it was presented to these guys. We've just read through what Paul has spoken to them. They all heard it. They all come back to hear this again. And now they say no. He's clearly laid it out for them. That's going to be some of the reaction of the people that you talk to. And so he says, we turn to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us. Now he's telling us, we're doing this because we're, we're under obligation. It's yes sir kind of a thing. So the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now your Bible might have a note right there that takes you back to Isaiah 49. Because that's where he, he's quoting from. right? In other words, this is one more of those prophetical utterances. If you go back to Isaiah 49, what you'll find out is in the context of that, he's actually talking about the Messiah. He's the light to the Gentiles. Right? But here, these guys, under inspiration of the Spirit of God, are taking that verse and saying, the Spirit of God is telling us, here's, now he's applying it to us. And I would say it's being applied to you and I, because what this is, is an extension of God himself, what he's doing. You and I get to be a light to the Gentiles in the sense of, of displaying the light that lives within us. Behold, it says, for the, so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you. As a light to the Gentiles. This was clear back in Isaiah. Years and years ago. Before now this event is occurring. And he says that you should be. Like this is. That tells us this is a plan that God has. And he will not change from it. This has been something that has been in, in his mind's eye. So to speak. For all of eternity. As he's been looking down that way. And he's not going to wander off of this. This has all been part of the plan. That you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth, which is still in process. Now, I want to show you a couple verses here. Hopefully, if you picked up any notes, you got these there. Here's just two places to, to remind us of this particular truth. Luke chapter 2, verse 32, is when Christ was born, and they bring him to the temple. And there was a guy there named Simeon. I don't know if you know this story or not, but he was an older gentleman. And he understood from the Spirit of God that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And now he's brought in, right? I think it was a time for his circum circumcision. Oh, I thought we had a problem here. You just let him holler and we're all right. Okay, so there it is. Thank you. That's, that, there, that's the sound that he heard, right? <laughs> Perfect. And so you know what Simeon says? He says, ah, he's here as a light to the Gentiles and to our nation Israel. It's not a perfect... Uh, word by word quote just so you know but he sees that and Simeon actually says this is one who's also for the Gentiles not just for the house of Israel and another verse which you're probably familiar with is John chapter 3 verse 16 if you're not familiar with it turn to it would you just real quick I'm gonna, I'm gonna just highlight a couple things for you watch the words okay here's how it goes for God so loved the world that word world I've told you before is a world of people it's not a world, it's not a planet, right? He's not talking about something, he's talking about someone. The world of mankind is what he's saying there. It's a specific word that he's using. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you remember we talked about that last week? The word begotten. This son of unique position. This son who's going to be raised from the dead. He gave his only begotten son. That one right there. That whoever, that by the way is everybody, right? That's no wonder he's talking about the whole world here. That whoever would believe in him. This is what Paul had been telling them. It's in him. It's through him. It's by him, forgiveness of sin. Not what the law could ever do. It's only through him. That's it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not, what? Perish. Do you remember what was stated in verse 41? Do you remember what the prophecy said? You mockers, you despisers, Guess what you're going to do? Perish. So those who put their trust in him for salvation will not perish. But those who despise this message, who reject this message, they will perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. No wonder these Gentiles are going crazy. This is phenomenal news, right? Everlasting life for us, the Gentiles. No wonder they were wanting to come back and talk about that. And here these Jews oppose. And so verse 48 says, now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is referring to the things that Paul's just said here, just so you know. They're like, ha, ha, woo, well, sucker's too bad for you, but we're going for this one, right? We're after this. We like this. We're, it's not like, I don't know, those Jews, they're skeptical. Maybe we should be skeptical about this. Their hearts were for it. They heard, they glorified the word of the Lord. As many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. We have people getting saved right here as we're reading this in front of our eyes. Gentiles. Do you see how, how Paul has laid out this message, how he has just walked them through, uh, um, taking them back into history, helping them to have something that they can hang their, their, their heart attention on, their mind attention on. Oh, yeah, I get that, I get that, I get that. And now we've come to this point. Whoever believes in him, I'm going to trust in him. If there's everlasting life in him, that's who I'm counting on. If that satisfied the heart of God, then it's going to satisfy my heart. I count on that. No wonder i got to take a little time out here, and I want to talk about this last phrase. It says, as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. I want to use this just to give you a little bit of a, a BTC taste for those of you who haven't made it upstairs yet. This is some of the things that, that you can uh, learn up there. I don't have a whole lot of time, so we got to go quick here. There's a couple things that are helpful for us as we interpret Scripture. That particular phrase, that those who were ordained to everlasting or eternal life believed, could also be translated that those who were disposed to or in their minds like followed along with that, were open to that, believed. Right? Two different translations. And this verse actually has a bit of a dispute amongst believers. What is he talking about with this? 
well, how do we figure this out? So I just want to give you a couple tools here, just real quick. <clears throat> when you're studying the Word of God, one of the things that is important for us to do is to find in that particular passage, what are some of the key words? And looking at those words, we want to understand their, their meaning, their usage. In other words, what I mean by that is, okay, so this particular word in there, appointed, or maybe your version says ordained. There's a number of different English words that are used there. Those who are appointed to everlasting life. We look that up, and guess what we find? That that word is talking about to, to set up, or to arrange, or to put in order kind of thing. So it's a military term that's helping us to understand that something's fallen into place. Okay. So when we look at that, we go, okay, so we got a little bit of a definition, and we might look at, well, how does Luke use this word? Is there any other place that he uses it? And that's going to help us to understand, oh, okay, probably if he's using it this way over here, 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 and here, he's probably using it that way here as well, right? It's not for sure, because sometimes you and I use a word in, in a different way at times, but for the most part, we, we kind of follow along with that. And if we can understand that, then we're going to gain a little bit more understanding of what Luke's talking about. And then we can even go into, well, how about Paul? Did he ever use this word, or John, or excuse me, or James, or whoever? And we learn a little bit about the usage of it. That's one of the things. Now, another thing that's important for us in regards to those specific words is understanding some of the details of that. And you, you guys don't even have to be a Greek scholar to do this, right? You got books out there, you got Bible programs, you got all kinds of tools that you can go to, and you can find out things, for example, <clears throat> in any particular word, sometimes there's a tense to it. Uh, you're already familiar with this. In fact, you're, you grew up learning some of this stuff before your English teacher ever told you. You know the difference between a past tense and a future tense or a present tense. You know that when someone's talking to you, what they're talking about, you're interpreting that and you're deciding they're talking about that right now. Oh, they're talking about something that's going to come. Oh, they're talking about something that happened way in the past, right? And you do that all by different words that you use, a little change to the spelling of that word, that kind of a thing. Well, it's the same thing that's true in the Greek. <clears throat> and so you have, you know, a singular and you have plural. And then you have, as far as, um, like I said, whether it's past or present or all of that kind of stuff. And it all has an impact on us or can help us as we begin to study and try to figure these things out. I'm going to get a little wonky here on you, so hang on here. Those of you who aren't wordsmiths, this particular word appointed can be translated either in the middle voice or in the passive voice, not in the active voice. How do I know that? Because again, some of these Greek scholars go in there and they have little word endings, just like we put an S on the end of our words and that tells us, ah, that's probably a plural word, right? So we know that. Same thing with Greek. They go in there and they look at that and the way that this is written, it has to be either in the middle or in the passive. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details for you other than to say <clears throat> that the um, passive and the middle, when it's put onto a participle, the ending is exactly the same. So when the translators go through on this and they look at that and they see that ending, they say it's either middle or it's passive, but I don't know which. And you know what helps them? Context. Now, just for those of you who are a little weirdo about I would have never passed the spelling bee. I know that context starts with a C, just so you know. <clears throat> but I want to catch your attention with it. I have a friend who says context is king. 
Meaning that context, the way in which that's used, is going to help us. It's going to take us to where, oh, there's where the understanding. If we're dealing with a middle and a passive and trying to figure that out, and the grammar itself won't do that for us, we go to context. What is the context of this? Well, let's rehearse this real quick. We have seen in verse 41, we have seen that Paul's given them a warning. He said to them, guys, here's something that the prophets have talked about. You guys have to make a decision. You're either going to fulfill what they're saying or you're not going to be a part of that you choose. Right? That's what the warning, I'm summarizing the warning there in verse 41. Then if you go to verse 43... As he's talking to them, he says, guys, continue. Hear what we've been telling you about this gospel, this grace of God. Continue in it. Keep going in this. Don't stop here now. Just because our service has ended, you guys need to keep moving. And and the actual word that he's talking about is they were trying to persuade. They were in the process of persuading them. Keep going in this, right? So we see in verse 41 that they're given a choice to make. And we see in verse 43, given a choice to make. What do we see then those guys doing as they come back the next week? No, not going to do it. Reject it. In fact, the word there that's being used is a violent rejection. It's like shoving it away. It's like, get out of my face kind of a thing, right? It's, it's, they're, they're, they're not just going, no, nah, I don't think so. It's like, no, get this away from me. Making a choice. And by doing so, they fulfilled that very verse that we're talking about in 41. So contextually, we see people being presented with the gospel and some accepting and some rejecting. And now we come to the Gentiles. And guess what we find with them too? Same thing. People being presented with something and deciding, am I going to believe that or not? That's what we see in context. So I would submit to you that the better translation here would be that these Gentiles who had an open heart to hear, who had a willingness, they're they're listening to all of that, they put their trust in that. I can't prove that to you definitively. I can just tell you that neither can you prove the other side because grammatically either one of them can be said. So what is context? You're going to have to wrestle with that, people. So let's keep going here then. Verse 49, it says, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Right? So the gospel has come to these guys, these Gentiles, and they're believing. And what do they do? Right? Talk, 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 talk. They're telling each other. You wouldn't believe what happened. I was over there in the synagogue the other day. There's a big kind of uproar. I'm like, what are they talking about? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. They told us about this Jesus. He rose from the dead. I go, what? I got to hear that. So when the next week we got together, and then he lays all of this stuff out, and he tells us for us, and I'm like, yes, that's for me. You have got to hear this. That's what's going on. Do you see that in churches today? Do you see any of this kind of stuff happening? Let's not even think about ourselves. I mean, that would be a little too introspective. Is this not amazing or what? People were talking about everlasting life. Everlasting life. I'll tell you, the more we get a hold of that kind of stuff, the more goes on. Everywhere we go, you can't believe this. I'm going to tell you about something. Listen, I was like you one time. Yeah, 
<laughs> I was lost in my sin, just like you are. You don't even know it. I didn't know it either. Someone came along and they told me, and I'm like, what? Because the truth of the matter is, is every time I do that particular sin, I was guilty, and I knew I was guilty. And then this person told me, you know what, Tim, what you're trying to do? It'll never produce righteousness. It's only Jesus Christ, this one who died and rose again. Rose again from the dead? What? You mean he can do that for me too? Yes. And we're just telling, right? We're just telling. Because it's just flowing out of us. Just like, just like these people. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I think sometimes when we're presenting the gospel to people, because we are not clear in that presentation, because we don't give them some things to hang their hat on, so to speak, right? It doesn't make sense to them. They're looking at a nut job who thinks that, oh, 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 this Jesus thing, right? But we don't help them to know, oh, why am I so glad? Why am I rejoicing? Because one time I was just like you, bound for hell, and now I'm not. And you don't have to be either, right? And we begin to lay that message out for them. So it says, the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the regions. Here it's going, right? Verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. A couple things happening here. Just so you know, these ladies that he's talking about, these are some of those proselytes. These are Gentile women who have been coming to, to the synagogue or, or understanding at least something about Judaism and putting their trust in that. That's why he's calling them devout women. These were ones who would, have, who would have been with them in the synagogue, would have heard some of this stuff. And so these Jews, hey, hey I know, I know, it sounded really, really, but that's not true, right? Stir them up. Then they go to the people who are in charge of the city. Hey, these guys are speaking stuff, and now look at the clash that's going on there, and you guys got to do something about this, right? And so they get all this power behind them, and out they go. Gone. Watch as we go through this, the remainder of these chapters, we will see this recur again and again and again. God will use the message and persecution against the message to move his people on. I think we would do well to change the way we think about persecution and realize it's just a tool in the hand of God. It's just part of this master plan. In fact, he actually says it. He says, listen, don't be surprised at this. People, if we're going to go blah, 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 to everybody about Jesus, guess what you're going to face? You weirdo, you freak, get away from me, mm, kind of stuff, right? You can expect that, just so you know. Why? Because it's foolishness. It's absolute foolishness unless you believe Unless you know that there is a God in heaven who loves you. For God so loved the world, it was his love that drove him to do that. And because of that love, and because of your and I's security in that love, it's okay when this happens. Right? It's all right. Because I am totally and completely loved in him. Sometimes I get that out of whack, and, and I want the embrace of the world, and then I don't want to say anything to them. I'm afraid of this kind of stuff. I don't want it. But as he teaches my heart more and more about his love for me, that becomes more important to me 
than this and the rejection. And we're able to, to present to people. So these guys get kicked out. And we'll finish it up here with this. It says, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. So they're moving on. And just so you know, when the Lord sent out his disciples, remember, two by two, in the Gospels, you can read about this. He said, when you go to a town and you tell them the things that I want you to tell them, if they accept you, stay there and talk to them more. But if they reject you, kick the dust off your feet and move on. And, and that expression is kind of like we, we would say, I wash my hands of this. Hey, this isn't on me. This is on you. In other words, guys, you got an opportunity to accept or reject this. And if you reject it, we're kicking it off. We're, it, that's it. We're leaving it all behind and we're moving on, right? That's all they were doing. They're, they're, they're giving as a, as a symbol, you guys have rejected this. You guys have decided that we're not doing that. You guys are doing that. And they move on to Iconium. And then there's this last verse, 52. And it says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. When I first was reading this and studying this, I'll just tell you, inadvertently, I thought that that was talking about Paul and Barnabas. I thought it was a thing of like, oh, okay, well, these guys are, like, they've just been kicked out, and now they're on their way to Iconium, and they're like, hey, that went pretty good, didn't it? Well, yeah, it was, you know, it turned out, all right. There were some people who got saved, but boy, they got upset with us, right? But all in all, we're joyful. Do you know that nowhere in the entirety of the book of Acts is Paul ever called a disciple? Never. That caught my attention. Well, so who is he talking about here? <clears throat> you know who he's talking about? The brand new believers. These people at Antioch who've just heard all of this message. The word of salvation has been sent to them. And notice what it says. The disciples, that's who they were. They were filled with joy. We were doing, uh, one of our small groups doing a study and in it, the guy said, the difference between happiness and joy, happiness is dependent upon happenings, right? Your circumstances. Are you happy or not? But joy comes from within. Joy is something that the Lord gives us, and our circumstances don't affect us. And guess what? Brand spanking new believers were understanding this. That means we can too, right? Filled with joy. It was controlling them. It was having an impact on them. It was consuming them. Oh, my word. Let me tell you what, people. Sometimes we've moved too far away from the foot of the cross. And we've lost the joy that comes with everlasting life. It is amazing, isn't it? It says that they were not only filled with joy, but also with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, at the moment of salvation, is caused to take up permanent residence within every one of us as a believer. That's called indwelling. But being filled with the Spirit is the Spirit of God actually having his way with us. Us actually responding to him and being led along. We've talked about those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. There's an understanding that the Spirit of God is at work in our lives. These are brand spanking new believers. And it says they were filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you, you don't have to be an old, old saint to understand this. You can be brand spanking new. It's possible for every one of us, and it should be a common and normal thing for every one of us to be living lives under the direction of the Spirit of God. 
walk in the Spirit. We're actually commanded to do that. So here we see brand spanking new believers. Now, when we get to 14, chapter 14, he's going to pick it up in Iconium. They're in Iconium, and here's how it goes. But what we're going to also see as we go, watch for this to show up. When they get to the end of their journey, they're going to say, okay, that's it. Now let's go back. We're going to go back through here, and we're going to try to strengthen these people. We're going to help them because some of them are facing persecution. Guess where? Places just like this, right? But still functioning, even though their circumstances are terrible, still functioning in the joy of the Lord, still functioning under the direction of the Spirit of God, talking, passing it on, right? So people, we got to close here. I'm over time now. What we're seeing is the plan of God unfolding. We're watching it as it goes through the book of Acts, and we're realizing that today you and I are still fulfilling the plan of God. We're part of it. It's not written down, but we get front row seats to see what God's doing. I'm telling you what, we're living in unprecedented times. On a world scale, the things that are going on, some of them have never gone on before. We're facing things that we've never faced. Are you excited? Are you finding joy in the midst of that? Or are you reading the news going, what in the world's going on? Let me tell you what. We have everlasting life. We don't have to fear what man can do to us. Everlasting life, we get to share it with others. Oh, let's pray that we would do that, huh? Father, <clears throat> oh my word, how amazing your word is. How rich it is and vibrant, lively. We read it and we can just see it in our mind's eye. And we are thrilled with what we're learning here that the salvation has come to the Gentiles. <laughs> Most of us are that. You are so amazing to have thought all this out, to have planned it all. And even to this very day, what comfort it brings to our own hearts to know that you're a God who's on the throne. You're sovereign. Nobody's going to thwart what you say you're going to do. And we've seen it. In fact, we don't just know that you have a plan. You've told us what that is. You actually have told us that you're bringing everything together so that the culmination of it all, your son might have the preeminence through all of that. We're thankful that we get to give that to him now, but not everybody's doing that. So I pray that you will use us, Father, as we engage with people, whether it's on the street or at our work or maybe it's our own family. Lord, we need your wisdom to know what to say and how to say it, but, but you've given us through this message of Paul an understanding that we need to be clear. There's a context. Paul laid out a context for them to understand, and we can too. So lead us in it, Father. Use us as any way you please with us. We'll be so grateful for that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.